Thank you for joining us for our Renewal City Church podcast. If you're looking for ways to get involved, join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Roxy Theater in Longview. Or find us online at rcclongview.org. We hope you're blessed and that this message finds you well. A quick note about the financial reports. I know this is, for those of you who have been a part of Renewal for a while, this probably represents a real highlight of your year, getting that financial report, taking that home and reading it with the colored charts and all the wonderful things that we do to make it look really good. Uh, I want to apologize in advance. Our printer is having some issues, and so there are some dirty copies out there, dirty copies of the financial report. Um, Incidentally, if you have any experience cleaning uh, the rollers in a printer or figuring out how to get a printer that's printing dirty to print clean, uh, I would love to talk with you after the service and maybe employ you in such a venture. I tried watching the YouTube videos and reading the owner's manual and took my best crack at it today, but as you'll see when you grab the reports, it, it didn't really turn out so well. So uh, I'm admitting defeat and asking for help. Um, moving on. So last week, we took a week for our different elders to share about our ministry philosophy at Renewal and, um, and just to share a little bit about themselves as well. Uh, this week, we're following along that theme, and we're having our deacons share. Uh, I realize as I'm using the word elders and deacons, those things might mean very different things to people with different church backgrounds. And so uh, just to help you understand what we're thinking of when we say deacons, uh, we really look at the book of Acts chapter 7, where this role in the church first popped up. In Acts chapter 7, there was some complaints that were raised over how the church was managing their resources to care for widows in Jerusalem. And, and as that problem arose, the deacons became the solution for it. Uh, now, the early chapters of the book of Acts talk about how the first followers of Jesus were moved by the Holy Spirit uh, to be radically sacrificial in their giving and, and generous to those who were in need. Uh, when I talk about Acts chapter uh, you know, I'm saying this is from Acts chapter 7, but I think it's actually in Acts chapter 6. So strike everything I've said relating to Acts chapter 7. Roll it back a chapter in case you're looking in there and you're totally lost in your Bibles. Um, when I talk about these early chapters in the book of Acts, it's like every pastor's pipe dream. I mean, the people weren't just in fellowship at church, but they were sharing everything that they had with one another. You had members of the church selling their houses and their possessions and laying everything at the apostles' feet um, and, and saying, here, take it and use it for the kingdom. Uh, you know, every pastor probably daydreams about such a move of the Spirit, forgetting that for the apostles who were entrusted with those kinds of resources. Many of them ended up martyred, so it maybe didn't quite work out how they would hope it would. But Anyhow, in Acts chapter 6, we learned that one of the things the church is using those resources for was to start a widow's feeding program. But then as it turns out, whoever was passing out the daily bread was skipping over the widows who were Hellenized in favor of the widows who were more Jewish. So in first century Jewish culture, you had Jews who were staying very, very Jewish, and then you had other Jews who were embracing Greek culture, Greek dress, Greek language, maybe a little bit of Greek religion, and so they just, 
they looked different, they talked different, and they really didn't fit into the paradigm of the more traditional Jewish people. And so whoever was in charge of the resources was, as they went out to run this feeding program, was giving favoritism to more favorable treatment to the widows who dressed right and still looked very Jewish as opposed to those who had changed. And so some people come and bring this to the apostles of the church, Jesus' disciples. And they're like, hey, this isn't right. These women are being overlooked. They're going hungry. And, uh, you know, you're all preaching that we're all one in Christ and, and that God doesn't play favorites. But we see corruption here, uh, a reasonable uh, accusation. And, uh, and the apostles, when they're confronted with this, do what I can, I can really empathize with them in this. They decide to punt this conflict to somebody else. And I imagine the times when, you know, there's maybe a little bit of conflict in the church or there's, there's complaints about things and, and kind of being a point person here as a pastor, I, I tend to hear about this and I just think to myself, isn't there somebody else that could handle this for me? And so the apostles, uh, I, I assume, pray and listen to the Holy Spirit and decide we're going to find seven men to handle these kinds of problems for us so that we don't have to find ourselves in the middle of uh, settling corruption in the church. Um, they decide to nominate men who are called deacons or appoint men who are called deacons, which is, is a Greek word that loosely translated just means servants. And so you have the apostles, the sent one, uh, delegating some of the authority in the church to these servants. And then later in the life of the church, Paul begins to refer to a number of these deacons uh, or other leaders in the church or other people who are in leadership roles, he refers to them as deacons as well. Um, it's really interesting that the first stories that we start to have about deacons, Philip was one of them who was appointed as a deacon. I believe Stephen was maybe another one. They end up being people who are going and proclaiming the gospel, and, and Stephen gets martyred, and Philip is like the one person who's space transported somewhere. Um, but they end up in these highly visible ministry roles too. And so I, I don't know what to do with all of that. But in 1 Timothy chapter 3, where last week we read the passage on elders, uh, we're going to find a similar set of guidance or a similar portrait that the Apostle Paul paints for Timothy for what to look for in deacons. And so we'll start reading in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 8, if you would like to turn your Bibles there. Paul writes, In the same way, so like the elders that he just listed a bunch of things about. He says, deacons are to be worthy of respect. They should be sincere and not indulging in too much wine and not pursuing dishonest gain. They must keep hold of the deep truths of faith with a clear conscience. They must first be tested. And then if there's nothing against them, let them serve as deacons. In the same way, the women are to be worthy of respect, not malicious talkers, but temperate and trustworthy in everything. And the deacon must be faithful to his wife and must manage his children and his household well. And those who have served well gain an excellent standing and great assurance in their faith in Christ Jesus. So Paul is again just laying out a profile for these are the kinds of people that we are looking for. These are the, the types of leaders, the types of servants. These are the characteristics that we're wanting to highlight. We want honest people. We want good people. We want people who aren't drinking too much wine, 
To which Timothy maybe replied, all right, Paul, I need you to be more specific. How much is too much? And unfortunately, Paul didn't write that down. That would have been nice, right? What was he thinking? He could have settled a lot of debates in the church with just a, a dosage amount. Um, anyhow, that's what, that's what we're looking at biblically. Then, of course, we exist in a modern day, in a modern era. We are submitted to the leaders over us. And so uh, as a church, as an organization, we, we are to some degree uh, subject to the laws of our land. So as far as the federal government is concerned... Uh, churches are looked at really, really similar to nonprofit organizations. Uh, we have more freedoms because we can play the, the religion card with the work that we do. Uh, but the expectation from, you know, the IRS is that we're going to function very similar to a nonprofit corporation. And so in their view, the deacons are officers of a, like a nonprofit 501c3. Um, they're largely responsible for our budgets and our policies and our procedures. They're responsible for maintaining our assets, uh, like our uh, building or equipment or the bank accounts that we have. And the whole idea in a nonprofit world in the United States of America is that you bring volunteers who have uh, no kind of paycheck from what they're doing to bring oversight to those who are serving in executive director roles in nonprofits. Uh, they provide oversight and transparency and accountability and safeguards for the people who are running those things. Um, and the deacons at Renewal do all of that stuff too. We are a registered 501c3, and the deacons are our nonprofit board. Uh, that's how the government looks at it. Of course, the paradigm that God gives us for the understanding of church is the paradigm of family. And so we're we're simultaneously embracing these two parts of our paradoxical existence. We're, we're a family that is made up of people who are living, you know, organisms, human beings. And at the same time, we're also an organization that's outlined and defined with our founding documents. And uh, we, we're both of those things. We really are. Um, and although no church is, uh, is a business, there's also business principles that can be very helpful for accounting and strategizing and all. Although the financial bottom line shouldn't dictate the ministry that we do, at the same time, it, it costs money to do ministry in this world. And so the deacons are the ones who are really tasked with, with holding both of these truths in hand at the same time and, and being the servant leaders of a family who are also responsible board members of an organization. Beyond the American corporate understanding of their role, each one of our deacons that serves here, and you'll get to hear from each of them today, they're filled with the Spirit, they live their lives with godly wisdom, and their input is really vital in our organizational health at Renewal and in the accountability of our church. Through relationships, our deacons work with myself to provide, uh, um, to provide in many ways like an HR department, uh, helping us manage the staff of the church. They help make sure that uh, staff are resourced, that they have the, the uh, understanding of their roles and the clarity and the different things to, to be held accountable to do the work that they're supposed to do. Um, they help manage the, the life and, and uh, the, uh, the resources that we have. Um, and they just do a lot of really important organizational work. Um, we, we really value relationships at Renewal, and, uh, and we value people for who they are and, and not what they do. 
And so in many ways, we really, uh, we really are grateful to have people who are a part of our body serving in such vital roles. Um, and so each deacon is going to come up and take a little bit of time to share about different aspects of their roles and what they do. And we're going to start with Amber Motes. Amber, come on up. friends. Um, so my name is Amber Motes and we started attending Renewal in fall of 2013. We had just moved to Longview to be on Young Life staff and we didn't know that the church had just started. So we, we started getting invited to all these like meetings like to make decisions and we were like we're new and they were like we're all new. So that's kind of how we found out the church had just started. Um, but yeah, so I guess we've been here from the beginning, um, it's been a joy to be a part of this church family, and our roles have just changed all throughout the years. So last year, I was serving as an elder with my husband. Um, we had a leadership retreat, and we were doing a lot of praying and, like, looking at our mission statement and just wanting to be really clear about, like, our vision as a church, which is all really good stuff, but I kept asking, like, a lot of questions, and I think it was, I was maybe annoying James, but um, I tend to think in, like, strategic planning, <laughs> like, okay, this is a great mission statement, like, now what is that going to look like lived out, um, and that's where I go, is, like, how are we implementing this, and so James, in all my question asking, was, like, those are questions a deacon would ask, you know, like, we need to grow our deacon team, so I switched from elder to deacon, I think it was like last May or something. It's been less than a year. Um, so uh, that's what I do. I doubled our meeting time because I ask a lot of questions. Um, but I do think we're making some good progress with getting some good um, policies and procedures in place and stuff like that. So, um, But this morning I get to talk to you about the budget. Um, I am not going to go over numbers with you. As James mentioned, there is a budget report that you have access to, but I'm going to talk to you about our budget philosophy and really these values that we make our decisions um, on. And so the first one is that we are committed to living generously. I love that about this church. It's, one, it's actually one of the things that really like attracted me to being a part of this body is following after James's leadership of like really living out that value of generosity. And so one is that we wouldn't even need a deacon, you know, board to make financial decisions if the individuals in this church weren't giving generously. And so we want to be really good stewards of the generosity that you all are participating in. Um, and then it allows us to, to be generous with our budget. And so um, we have a line item that's for tithing. We tithe 28% of every dollar that's tithed to the church. Then we give away to missions. So that's another value is supporting missions both locally and globally. And last week, Ryan and Corey kind of broke down what those ministries are. Um, you can go to our website and see all of the ministries that we support on there. Um, but it's something that I really love about our value of like, we don't just want you to give to the church so that we can just have like a big savings account 
to spend on ourselves, but we really, 28% is really high um, for giving away. And so I love that that's a high value for us. Just to give you like a little glimpse into what, how this like plays out. Um, Young Lives, as Ryan mentioned, is a, an outreach and mentoring program for teen moms. And we had a girl that went through Young Lives and she graduated out. They graduate out when they turned 21. Um, and a couple years after graduating out of Young Lives, she found herself in a really rough spot where, you know, this girl, like, she, she <laughs> turned her life around and she graduated from high school and she worked really hard at, to work full time. She bought her own house, like, all these things that were just, like, awesome. Um, but she found herself in a really abusive relationship, um, marriage, and so she was then going through a really ugly divorce and was starting to lose everything that she had worked really hard for, and her main concern was, like, you know, her kids, and um, in that process, she called the church asking for help to, like, pay a bill. Now, this is normal for people to call churches to ask for help, but um, it's not normal for this girl, and I like to believe that it's because her, while she doesn't, like, go to church, I would think that, like, this is a safe place for her because of how involved this church is with Young Lives. Like, she had been coming to club here and Christmas parties here, and she knows that this is a place that's, that's full of people who support her and are cheering her on, and so she knew when she needed help, she could call and ask for help. Um, and so the church's generosity to Young Lives is one piece of that, but the other piece is our Mercy Fund. And I don't know if everyone knows about the Mercy Fund, um, but it's essentially money we set aside so that when there is someone in need in our community, we can help them. And so in this situation, we were able to say, yes, we'll pay the bill out of the Mercy Fund. And so um, those kinds of things are happening all throughout the year that you guys probably don't even know about. But those are the types of the things that the deacons um, are able to, you know, James can shoot us a text or whatever, and we can, like, vote and um, <laughs> get those things moving so that we can be, like, the hands and feet of meeting needs in our community. Okay, so all of that is under our value of living generously. Um, number two is committed to living within our means. And so we budget conservatively and spend wisely. And we just really value knowing that, like, our budget is the money you give. And so we're going to be good stewards of that. Um, we want to make every dollar count. We have high relational standards for our missionaries, high standards for our staff. Um, and we, I guess this one that kind of goes into the next point, but we, every month we have a budget report where every cent is accounted for and our whole team is like looking through that carefully to make sure that we're being wise about where the money is going. Um, I do want to take this opportunity. Jess is in this for you, Jess. Okay, Jess is our new office administrator and she is like really doing an amazing job. And there's a couple of things that would both make her life easier and help us to be better stewards of our finances. So one is that um, if you don't already, if you donate through the Planning Center app, which is the same app that we use to check our kids in, it's really easy to donate online that way, um, but it also streamlines everything. And so in the month of January, <laughs> 
Jess just has to go like download report and then it has your like report for taxes. <laughs> um, when giving is done in all these different ways, like it just makes her job a little harder and that's, she can do that. But if it's easy for you to just set up your giving through that app, um, we would love to ask you to do that and Jess can help you make that happen. The other piece is that um, if you've set up like your donations through a credit card, the fees have increased and they're pretty high. And so if you're willing to just do your giving through a bank transfer instead of a credit card transfer, then it saves on really high fees. So those are just my little plugs for how to continue to be good stewards with our finances. Um, just ask if you need help with any of that. Okay, and then the third value is that we are committed to spending honestly. And so again, this is our, like every dime is accounted for. We review the budget monthly and all the spending that's happening. Um, we also live this out by our transparency. Like the fact that at any point you could ask James or Jessica for like the financial report. Like we are not hiding anything. Anyone has access to that. Um, and so that's a way to live out that value of honest spending. And then, um, and then also some of these policies that we have in place around spending money. So for example, there's a certain threshold, like if someone said, hey, can I purchase this or can I help this person with this need? Like there's a certain threshold in which James can just say yes. There's another threshold in which he has to just get the deacons like, oh yeah, we said yes too. And then there's another threshold where we have to vote and have it documented in our minutes. And so there's just some different like checks and balances in place for accountability. Um, okay, that's the fun money talk. Uh, <laughs> um, Brady could not, Brady is one of our other deacons. He couldn't be here today. And so he uh, made a little video for us. Yes. Um, to expand on a couple of things. So here's Brady. Deacon, deacon, tip of tongue, teeth and lips. Should I be holding a Bible? I, I feel like I should be holding a Bible. Deacon, deacon, deacon. The arsonist was denied a bank loan. So much better than Corey's. Well, hello, Renewal City. My name is Brady Backstrom, and I am one of the deacons here. So sorry I couldn't join you guys in person this morning, uh, but I had this little video to share with you some of the staffing things that have been taking place kind of behind the scenes in this last year. So as we continue to grow as a church and as an organization, um, we just felt there's some roles that we wanted to, to delegate out to um, some higher positions. And so we've been really excited to bring on uh, a few new staff members, um, both on the Renewal City Church side, as well as kind of the business side of how we operate. We're really excited this year to hire on Jess Nielsen as a full-time administrative staff for the church. She's been a huge help for us on the deacon side of things, handling the books and um, going over the payroll and different finances, as well as a thousand other odd jobs. Um, she really helps to keep the business side of things going, a kind of front office person for us. We are really excited to bring her on staff this year. Um, with her coming on in this role, this means that Mackenzie Rambo has been able to shift more to a full-time youth pastor job instead of having to kind of do part-time youth ministry and part-time administrative work. Um, so now those roles are a little bit more clearly defined for both of them. So really excited about um, how that's going to allow us to grow this upcoming year. Some other new staff that we've added on um, is Nicole and David Alexi who are taking over our kids program. So we're really excited to have them uh, transition in and take over that section of our Sunday mornings. 
And then also in our kids area, working with our infants, we have um, a new staff member named Cassie Jimenez, which um, we're very excited for her to be able to interact with us on a weekly basis um, and care for our young ones. Uh, we have hired uh, Danny Perez to be the Roxy Theater Manager, meaning that he oversees the events that take place in this space outside of Sundays. Um, it just helps us to advertise for those spaces and facilitate events taking place. Another new thing we've added is a kind of a handyman to be on call for us. So James doesn't have to run down to the Roxy and, you know, change light bulbs or, you know, fix things that are broken. He can focus on, you know, his, his true task of ministry and, and preparing for, um, for each week's gathering. Um, and now we have someone else who can come in um, and take care of those projects for us. Another new addition to our team at Renewal is actually a new deacon. Um, so we are very excited to have Amber Motes come on board with us. Um, and I'm sure she's already presented, but it's really been a blessing to have her as another perspective and another voice on our board as we make decisions. One of the things we really wanted to prioritize this year was how we care for our employees um, of Renewal City. And so we've implemented a couple new policies and things to kind of help them to uh, be financially set. One of the new policies we've implemented is a retirement plan for our full-time employees. So this is similar to a 401k um, that we've implemented for our full-time staff so that they can have some retirement funds set aside for, for their future. Something else we were able to do towards the end of 2021 was allow James to have a sabbatical. Um, this was making sure that he had time to uh, be fit and well and care for himself and just to take a breath and pause from all the stress that comes with um, the nature of his job. And we were able to facilitate that through lots of volunteers and working closely with our elders to make sure that the church could keep operating like normal while he was absent. Something else I'm sure a lot of you are aware of is we were able to get a new tenant in the front end of the Roxy. So it used to be Hearth Coffee, um, but that has now become uh, Keebler Coffee, a new local couple that uh, is passionate about roasting and making good coffee, and we were very excited to partner with them and have them in our building. So be sure to grab a cup of coffee for them during the week. Um, they're great people, have a conversation. We're really excited to have them in our building. I just wanna say thank you um, to you guys as a church body for your generosity. Um, you really make our jobs on the deacon side way easier. We just get to be very generous and open-handed um, in how we treat our staff and how we bless our community and our giving um, and the generosity we're able to do because of um, the consistency that you guys have in, in your gifts and your support of renewal. So it's been a pleasure on my end serving as a deacon for the last few years. And I really want to say thank you to you guys for how you continue to give. If you have any questions at all, I will be back next Sunday. Um, feel free to grab me and uh, let's have a conversation. Uh, just introduce yourself, say hello, and I will turn it over to whoever is next. Tyler Salvig, longtime listener, first time preacher, speaker. There we go. Oh, cool. Thank you. Sweet. I've been with the community since I'm going to be reading mostly because I kind of, yeah, this is my first time. 
I've been with the community since January of 2018 and a deacon uh, since uh, August of 21. Oh, dang, I should put that in parentheses. Uh, my background is mainly for-profit company. Um, my father started a business in 2001. Um, I became full-time in 2009 and kind of been in the production and management since then. Um, and so I've been excited for the opportunity to serve on the board of directors, uh, or more commonly known as deacons. Um, and just a side note, I'm going to have a quite a few buzzwords in my section, uh, but I'll do do my best to uh, clarify as I'm communicating. Also, I had a bad dream on Friday about speaking <laughs> on this deacon thing with all of you here. And uh, like I forgot my notes, laptop, and like I took a really big bite of an apple and like chewed it for two minutes. I didn't tell Lane. <laughs> so my goal is to be better than that. Thank you. I don't speak into a microphone much as well. So here it goes. Uh, the, uh, the section that I'm covering um, is uh, policies, procedures, facilities, kind of grouping it all into the organization. Um, so as previ previously stated, some of our main tasks as deacons are managing and overseeing the budget and the staff and all the details that are entailed. The third sector of what we handle is the organizational side of the church life, which commonly includes the hot topics of policies, procedures, and facilities. Um, that's applause here. Oh, sorry, it's my, my own notes. Um, James mentioned towards uh, the end of 2021 how renewal as an organization has and is transitioned from uh, a church plant to a community that's a bit more established. Uh, you probably said it in better words, but having a documented processes while still operating relationally. Basically standards to operate from so that there is consist consistency within the organization for when we work together and for when we work with the community outside our walls. For example, we have implemented some new time tracking policies for our employees, though so we have a reliable work record to go off of for helping them maintain a healthy and productive work-life balance. Um, and then kind of the other example is if we're working with another religious organization, nonprofit, um, or the city or government, uh, we want to operate as consistently as possible so that even from a basic standpoint of communicating and being organized, we're effectively representing Christ as little Christ as Christians. Um, another part that I want to point out is kind of indirect involvement. Um, you know, some of what we do is not directly correlated to an end result of a ministerial event, but is often the beginning, um, meaning what we do will lay the foundation for an event to happen. Uh, we're not always the start or the brainchild of, of an event or a ministry, but um, a lot of that happens with uh, the deacons. Um, for example, setting a budget for an all-church retreat uh, like we did last year so that the belonging team can plan it so that the members can enjoy 
enjoy said retreat. Um, it's not uncommon for our conversations and decisions to not affect a congregation or someone in need directly, but sometimes three, four more levels of separation. Uh, another part is direct involvement. An example of direct involvement would be uh, like what Men Amber mentioned. Oh, actually, I thought she was going to uh, mention the Mercy Fund. Uh, she did? Cool. Uh, yeah. Um, there would be an opportunity that someone uh, presents or let us know about someone in need. We can f uh, help fill that need, whether it's a place to stay uh, for the night, money, groceries, and to expound on... Um, she was talking about young lives and helping out um, a woman in need. Um, kind of the policies and procedures part of it. Uh, we do have those opportunities to give um, money or groceries or whatnot to someone. Um, on the policies and procedures part of it, it's not an open hand. It's not, you know, for that one person ongoing all the time. You know, we handle it all handle those situations kind of one by one, but as a standard on the policy side, we're aware of, you know, people with, with their hand continually out, and so if that starts to happen, you know, for instance, uh, we may uh, give them to an organization that can um, help them out long term, um, but we are here, you know, Uh, policies, yeah. We de developed and implemented a time-off policy for our paid staff, full-time and part-time, so that expectations are laid out, so that our policies are clear for current and future staff. Um, the example I have is uh, this was needed as this was an area that could be underused or abused, even though it hasn't uh, been an issue as of yet. So setting the structure up was needed. And I think the last section, uh, facilities, a.k.a. the Roxy, uh, managing a, my title is managing a shared space for the community. Whether if it's some gourmet coffee and snacks during the week with the Keeblers, uh, Sunday services, and other church get-togethers, or an event hosted by our very own Danny P. This space has a lot of people coming in and out as well as using it for various applications. Uh, for maintaining the budget, uh, for the building, security and maintenance is key to being successful, not only as a nonprofit, but mainly as a community serving our city. Um, some of the examples that I had um, on the maintenance side is uh, last summer, yeah, uh, we installed, uh, we had an HVAC system installed for us by our very own Atlas boys, uh, Josh and Joel, and I think there's another one, Garrett. Nope, that's not his name. Uh, example of facility policies being set. Uh, we used to have uh, keys to the back door, um, and we were giving out keys uh, to trustworthy people, uh, but had no documented tracking of said keys. Uh, so then we uh, started exploring uh, getting more keys, and then uh, Corey Robinson expressed this as a security nightmare in so many words. Um, and so we now have a better system that we can build off of that's uh, secure and e easy to manage. In closing, I wasn't going to say that, dang it. At the end of the day, our goal is to operate in excellence and to reflect Jesus Christ with our decisions so that the community of people that calls itself Renewal City Church, which is all of us, 
uh, can flourish wherever we are at. I'm done. And I'll be back next week. In closing, uh, we'll have the worship team come back up and, and we'll sort of turn our attention to the Lord's table um, to close our service today. Uh, you know, at, at the end of the day, I think what it all boils down to is uh, the desire that we have to operate and to manage our, our resources in a way that furthers God's kingdom I think in the same way that the apostles and the early leaders in the church uh, found that with resources comes the responsibility to manage it and the potential to mismanage. In the same way that they discovered that and they appointed people to help them advance the kingdom through this widow feeding program and responsibly managing their resources while they at the same time proclaim Jesus in the community and the synagogue. I think in many ways, our experience hasn't changed. 2,000 years later, these are still super relevant principles. Uh, as God gives us resources, we have a responsibility to manage them well and to manage them for the furthering of his kingdom. And his kingdom is still furthered through meeting practical needs in the community for people and met through uh, proclaiming the kingdom, proclaiming the gospel of Jesus wherever we're at and, and at times empowering and supporting uh, staff members to help us in that um, in that mission. In the same way that issues of justice and fairness and favoritism and corruption came up, there's potential for those issues to come up today as well. And our, our deacons are really our frontline uh, defense against things like corruption. They're also our frontline servants when it comes to uh, you know making it their jobs to be aware of of needs and to respond to those needs and making it their job to manage resources justly and, and wisely and, and making it their job to model servant leadership wherever they may be. And again, I just think we're really fortunate to have them and God has equipped us with the people that we need uh, to move forward uh, at least for the next year in, the, in, the, in a good way. Uh, as I mentioned last year, every summer we Everyone on our leadership team, our elders and our deacons, just reevaluate whether the Lord's calling them to do this. So as you kind of heard them sharing about what they do and if, if the Lord's maybe tugging at your heart and you think, man, I'd love to get involved in that way. Uh, we always have room for more people uh, with a seat at the table. And so if you, if you feel God tugging your heart on that, please come and talk to me and let me know in the next few months because um, we'll start the process of onboarding some new elders and deacons. Uh, here in the spring, so we're ready to pull them on in the summer. Um, as we turn to the Lord's table to close our service, I'm I'm just reminded, uh, so often it can be a little touchy talking about money at church uh, because it, it represents provision in our lives. Um, and when people begin to feel insecure about their provision, uh, that can just create an, an emotionally dissonant feeling and people react in all kinds of weird ways. Um, and, and oftentimes, I think, in, in the church and in discussions about money in the church, there's people in the congregation who feel like uh, their provision is being uh, scraped away from them uh, by the, the greedy hands of would-be ministers. And so um, I think it's appropriate to just finish at the table today because uh, the, the, the table that's set for communion represents for us everything that we need. Uh, sure, there's other things in life, but God 
has sent his son and his body was broken and is represented in the bread that we have, the daily bread that we have, that his broken body uh, provides for us all that we need for all that really matters to be reconciled to God. We have the cup that represents his blood that was poured out, establishing a new covenant between God and humanity where he says, I'm no longer counting your sins against you. And that's all that we need to hear. If you think about it, at the end of the day, that's all that we need to hear. The creator of the universe is not counting our sins against us anymore. He is with us. He is for us. And he is there to provide everything that we need. And so as we finish with a couple more songs of worship, we're just going to open up the table. And we would invite you to come up and tear off a piece of the bread and and dip it in the cup and and just receive God's provision in your life. Uh, You can grab the elements, maybe come up with, uh, if you're sitting by any friends or, or relatives, come up together and then grab a, grab some bread, dip it in the cup and, and maybe gather off to one side or gather back in your seats and just pray together saying, thank you, Jesus, for giving me everything that I need. And, and we'll move forward into this next year, just celebrate that God is a God who gives us what we need. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you uh, so much. You are a generous and gracious God who has poured into our lives and into our world all that we need. Uh, we rejoice in, in uh, your provision in our relationships. We rejoice in your provision in our resources and, uh, and especially just in the privilege that we have to live in such an affluent uh, society where many of us are not having to worry about our daily bread or a roof over our head each and every day. And we're so grateful for that, Lord. We're grateful that in the things that matter most, in our salvation, in our relationship with you, uh, that you have sacrificially given so that we can be more than supplied. We thank you for the bread and the cup today. As we would share it with one another, we pray that each of us would just leave with our hearts completely full, uh, knowing that your provision is more than enough. In Jesus' name, amen.